episode 18 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest, the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. As always, I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing out you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL is the nation's largest amateur ice hockey league and the only league to span the continental United States and parts of Canada. The USPHL will field approximately 550 teams in 2020 and 2021, representing over 100 organizations comprised of 11,000 players spanning the ages of 6 through 20. Overall, across all of its divisions, the USPHL had more than 1,200 alumni playing college hockey in 2019-2020 and more than 250 playing pro hockey, including the NHL. Learn more at USPHL.com. Last week, we had the opportunity to sit down with the new executive vice president of the Ohio Blue Jackets AAA organization, Mr. Nick Petraglia. After 20 years in Oxford at Miami University and being a part of that storied program, Rise and Success, Nick decided it was time for a new journey and is excited to bring his excitement for growing the game to Columbus. Nick talked to us about all the things Miami, including what it meant to be a part of the brotherhood and how through the honest, transparent communication between coaches and players, hockey can reach new heights. Talking to uh, him last week was a, or kind of not, I don't want to say eye-opening, but it was kind of refreshing to hear someone who was at the Division One level uh, kind of really kind of talk about a lot of the same things we talked about, uh, Jay, uh, for the past couple weeks about transparency, honesty between coaches, players, organizations, players, organizations, and parents, Yada, yada. I think you hit the nail on the head with it was refreshing. You know, we sit here every week and we, we talk to each other about almost the same stuff. I mean, when it comes to the state of certain things in hockey and, and we, we talk about the same things. Now we have a guy with 20 years at the division one level, be it at director of hockey operations or, or behind the bench as assistant coach. He's saying the same things now, <clears throat> excuse me, as an executive vice president of a AAA organization in Columbus. It was refreshing. It was a great interview, a great conversation. I, I just, <laughs> I love the fact that when he spoke about honest, transparent communication amongst each other, players, amongst coaches and players, amongst all of it, including organization and the parents, it was just, I mean, he, he hit the nail on the head of what it's going to take to grow hockey. So there is no, you know, behind this door, you don't know what you're going to get. Ooh, you know, there's no lies. They tell you. And, and the other thing he said was uh, cutting players we want and not taking players we don't. Right. They got, obviously, like we talked about last week, they, uh, <laughs> they're not up and coming. They've arrived. They're there. They're doing things. They're moving guys on throughout, throughout Columbus, be it youth all the way through high school and junior and uh, the fact that he, they are at that point, <clears throat> the amount of work that went in to get to that point, and now they're adding a great piece like Nick Petraglia, it's, it's just going to be – it's, it's going to make Columbus hockey and hockey in general grow tremendously in our state. 
you know, I thought one of the interesting things that we talked about or he talked about last week um, when we kind of dove into some of his job detail and duties, um, he was very adamant, and I, it's, it's a very smart decision, um, uh, that he says, he said straight up, I'm just trying to learn the people in the organization, learn the organization before we kind of know, we know where we want to go, but how do you go about doing that? We got to learn where the organization is, who's in the organization to get to the right spot. Absolutely. I mean, you, you can't, you can't proceed until you know where you're at. You can't, you don't, you, know, you don't know where you're going unless you understand where you came from. Right. You know, so yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> then we had, uh, then we went to Detroit, Jay, and we had, uh, um, as we'd like to say, we'd like to stay there in Detroit and we might have to, because today we're going to bring you part two of our conversation with Steve Rimshaw from Warrior Hockey. Steve talked to us about his playing days in Europe, which man, if you listen to that podcast last week, I, I got, quite a few text messages on what a, a character uh, Steve was and, and some of the stories he had, but um, you know, talked about his playing days in Europe, even discussed being traded and all the pros and cons of, of being a professional athlete. Today we look forward to hearing about his coaching history uh, and what we all can do to grow the game for the better. Uh, I, I was, I was going to, I will ask you, Jay, what'd you think of the talk last week? I already know the answer, but um, it was a very, very entertaining uh, as we both know Steve for a while, uh, we knew what we were going to get, and we surely got it. Well, we're about to talk to a guy that was a salary dump at 800 a week. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Steve, man. He, he's he's a good person. He uh, cares about the game. He's got some stories that we haven't even tapped into yet, That and hopefully he can get to them tonight, or today, rather. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm glad people are getting uh, an introduction to Steve Rimshaw because he is a good person. He is funny. He is doing great things in Michigan for hockey, and he has a, a fun upbringing along with his brother Andy and obviously his two nephews, uh, River and Drake, who are playing pro hockey. So he's a lot of fun, man. I'm excited to get to part two. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, so we're going to sit down with him uh as our uh, second part of that interview because we it went a little long last week we have a little bit more to talk to him about so that's going to be our second part uh this week uh as well though we'll be sitting down uh with the man entrusted to bring bowling green bobcat high school hockey back to its prominence after a year hiatus with a youthful core players head coach jamie ruffner has the boys back on track playing the style of hockey bowling green is known for uh excited to talk with coach as well as senior captain dylan cox today uh, I look forward to them because you have a, for our listeners that don't know, and we're going to talk about this, you have a storied program from 1991 to 2014. In that 15-year span, they made the finals, or I'm sorry, they made the, the final four 14 times. You know, that's insane. <laughs> and then in 2018, they say, we're done. We're not going to feel the team this year. But they had all the interest to bring it back. So I look forward to that conversation with him. We got a chance to play against Coach Ruffner and his Bowling Green team. And we obviously, growing up, uh, were witness to a lot of the successes that Bowling Green High School had under Coach Dan DeWitt and uh, Eddie Powers and, and those guys up there. Uh, I'm excited that Bowling Green's back. You hate to lose a team anytime, no matter where they are. You know, you always want to grow. You never want to subtract. The fact that they're back, the fact that they put a good run together in the state tournament this season was phenomenal. Um, very excited to coach – or talk to Coach Ruffner, excuse me, 
and as well as get the uh, insight of uh, Dylan Cox, senior captain for the uh, for the Bobcats this season. So we're going to have a good one, as always. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> we're almost back to school. It's August already, middle of August, and the new normal is in full gear. I don't know what that is, but uh, I guess we'll try to define it every day. Uh, let's just talk a little bit. How was your week, Dan? I know you had a very busy week. You wrapped up the move. You're in the new casa, so what's going on? Uh, yeah, so we got the keys on Monday night. Came in Tuesday, did a little cleaning, moved everything in on Wednesday. And since then, just been unpacking boxes, trying to get things situated. But happy to be here. Um, neighbor Neighborhood seems nice. I mean, the next door neighbor today brought us a uh, welcome to the neighborhood basket with a six pack of Headhunter IPAs and a bottle of wine. Right up your so, alley. Yep. So we're, we're good to go. Oh man, that's right up your alley. Well, good. That's a good neighbor, right? Is that a family or is that like, what do you got going on over there? Um, so our two neighbors on either side of us are um, older retired couples, but they grew, oh. I mean, they've lived here the whole time. So um, across the street though, we got another younger couple. They have two kids, another two-year-old. So there's kids riding bikes all over neighborhood so hopefully uh and it will be making some friends here soon what's it gonna what what's it i guess now the question is since we can't have the online auction because one management just refuses to get back to you all right i'm just gonna call it out and two um they left nothing um so the next best question is when is the uh uh the housewarming party uh we were just saying today maybe have a uh a christmas party Oh, okay. So, because um, by then we should be, you know, pretty, pretty much settled and have things painted and stuff. But again, it's gonna depend on this whole uh, coronavirus situation and what's going on there. Yeah, love. What about you? A good week for you? Yeah, you know, same old, same old. We have. Uh, let's see, we have two fawns that bed down in the backyard and then this afternoon i was in the yard and a family of turkeys i don't know if that's the proper terminology but there were two adult turkeys came through with two whatever the heck you call baby turkeys came out of the woods and i'm sitting there i'm like you know people pay a lot of money for hunting right i look out my back window what do you want me to do i mean it's 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 a zoo over here the fawns, they, they come and go. When mom calls, they get up and leave. Otherwise, they're laying somewhere in the yard. It's it's nice and relaxing over here, you know? Danny, I know I know you and your family like to take your son to the alpaca uh, farm and, and pet the alpacas and everything. Dude, save your money. Go to Love's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're coming over. Going to go visit yeah. Uncle Love. Uh, yeah, come by in the morning. Uh, the fawns are usually laying there. Uh, today was a late morning for them. They, they must have known it was Sunday. Because it was noon and they were still laying in the shade. Yeah. But then, Rough but Saturday they, night, you know. Yeah, they got after it last night. You know, running around the neighborhood till all hours, and then, then the turkeys came out. So, God only knows what's going to come out tonight. Who knows? How about yourself, Saul? Uh, just a busy week. You know, we're trying to get some things together at school. Um, uh, our return to uh, classroom, um, and things change every day. You know, we, we're we're starting to see that our some of our public schools up in the Cleveland area are starting to 
pull the plug and hold off for nine weeks. Uh, I read yesterday where the Mac uh, College Conference pulled the plug on all their fall sports. So it's a, uh, you know, I think every time that I walk out of a, an off or a, a meeting and I head to my office and, and I feel really comfortable out with the plan, it's like, well, that'll change tomorrow. And, and I hate, I hate think I hate thinking that way because it's never a good way to think, but um, <clears throat> another than that, just, you know, trying to get, trying to get the, the like I said, the things together and then when it comes to work and um, I did not have water in my, in my <laughs> basement this week, this week, That's I just good. want to let that know this week. Um, but the guys that, uh, that installed my uh, watchdog battery backup uh, with double uh, batteries that uh, failed me, um, they're coming out here Tuesday. And so we're going to have a little uh, discussion about uh, the, the battery backup. So that'll be uh, an interesting conversation. So this is when we need live footage. I'd like to watch that conversation go down. Yeah. Yeah. And in the same time, I, I, I realized that during the whole storm, there was another beeping going on. I couldn't, couldn't figure out what it was. And then I, I started seeing these blinking lights in my garage and somewhere uh, in my entire yard, and you guys have been to my house, you know how big my front and backyard is. Um, I have the entire yard uh, lined by invisible fence, but somewhere there's a break in the invisible fence line. And so I don't know how he finds that, but they're coming out as well. So it ought to be a, a, good, a good Tuesday. Busy week. Yeah, busy, busy week. week. Busy, busy week. week. So. How's the uh, another, another topic that uh, management refuses to respond to is uh how's the garden so my garden is doing very very well i'm not gonna lie um our our pepper plants if i i literally have uh, jalapeno peppers that i mean are the size of some bell peppers right now and i'm using wow. them i stuff them i use them with the cream cheese and the bacon and i stuff them and we make jalapeno poppers and they're delicious um my radishes are, are doing well with their little woody you know, but um, everything else is doing well. My tomatoes are starting to really uh, ripen up now. So, although I was a little concerned at the start because of our friends that like to eat the uh, plants, um, we got through that time and, and things are, are looking good now. Right now, if the grocery stores close due to the uh, worldwide pandemic, I would have enough vegetables to last me probably a month. So, we're good. Self sustaining Sally. <laughs> Shit. Uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I almost freaking choked on my drink there, Jay. Come on. Ne next, you got beef cattle growing next door. You know, mm. grazing next door. Rather, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna bring some. We're gonna bring some uh, cows and pigs in here, and <clears throat> just turn my uh, garage into a butcher shop. And so, mm. for all those uh, vegetarians and vegans <laughs> out there, I do apologize, but <clears throat> it is what it is. Uh, just looking at Twitter right now to see where Pete is at. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Go ahead. So, uh, I don't even know if I should tell the story, but I will anyhow because it's kind of funny. And hopefully, somebody gets a laugh out of this. But, um, I, as you guys know, I, I I buy into a quarter of a cow every year, and I get that around January or February. And it usually lasts. Well, it's a family of four. Usually lasts us all the way to like October. Well, with the COVID and the the lock in, we didn't. We I mean, that's all we ate, right? So. So I'm out of my, I'm out of that allotment of, of steaks and, and beef and whatever else is roast and all that stuff. So there's a, a, a butcher shop. Uh, <laughs> there's a butcher shop near uh, where I live and, and they do really good uh, deals. Like 
$250 and you get like, I don't know, like a, 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 just a shit ton of freaking steaks and meats. And I mean, tons, like you look at me, there's no way this could be 250 bucks. So I'm at school. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm at school. I was at school the other day, but I was, I had my, my school computer and I was doing some work and I'm like, well, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go online to see if I, I don't want this deal to go. So I click on it. I, I type in the, uh, the name, I Google the name of the thing and, and it takes me to the, uh, uh, website, but I keep clicking on it. It won't let me go to the website. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And every time it won't, Danny, you could tell me how this is. Cause every time it goes to the, every, every, it blocks the website for whatever reason. Right. And, and then like, and then the server is notified of, of the website that is being blocked. Correct, Dan? Yeah. Okay. And I couldn't figure out, I just want to go to this, this meat store and, and buy steaks. Well, the, <laughs> the website was we love meats.com. <laughs> it, kept, it kept blocking it. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I'm thinking, Oh Jesus, God! I gotta go to HR now and explain to them what the hell I was trying to do. <laughs> I, I was, I was wondering why there was a text that said, "How do I delete browsing history?" <laughs> Dude, I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Like, I'm like, "Damn it! Did I miss the special? <laughs> did it go away?" And then it kept coming back, and I'm like, "Oh no." No, 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 no. And I tried to click on it like three times before I figured it out. <laughs> oh, I love it, dude. Anyhow, well, anyhow as, as this uh, wise uh, person, this wise old man once said, stop. What is that? The phono you're looking at? Oh, yeah. Oh. <clears throat> you looking at the hub too? No, 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 no. I'm just no, trying to no. get the special. No, I was just trying to get the summer the summer steak packet. That's all yeah. I was trying to get. Yeah. <clears throat> so Cubs win. But, <laughs> Cubs win. Cubs <laughs> win. Well, we've got three fun guests to get to today. Uh, but before we do, let's not be indecisive. Let's get right to the digest and see what's making news in the world of hockey. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL has five teams in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area. The Columbus Mavericks, the Toledo Cherokee, Wooster Oilers, Lake Erie Bighorns, and the Fort Wayne Spacemen. Learn more at usphl.com. Ohio Hockey Digest is looking for writers to help cover the great game of hockey in and around Ohio. Contact Scott Harrington at 216-548-2345 or Scott at ohiohockeydigest.com to find out more about opportunities to contribute content to the website and the on-air podcast. We are taping the show on Sunday, and later this evening, the Columbus Blue Jackets will play a fifth and deciding game in their play-in series against Toronto after the Maple Leafs came back to win game four in overtime. Toronto scored three times in the last four minutes to tie the game, then won it on Austin Matthews' overtime winner. Elvis Merlinkins, who stopped all 21 shots in relief to spark a comeback win in game three, made 49 saves in the game for the Blue Jackets and shut out the Leafs for the first 56 minutes and three seconds of the game. But things fell apart quite quickly late for Columbus. The challenge for the Jackets will be to see if they can continue what they did for the first 56 minutes 
of the game and not let the late collapse rattle their confidence. What do you think John Torella, or I'm sorry, John Tortorella had to say to his team, one, and two, what buttons do you think he has to push tonight? I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think he has to, he had to say much. You know, they're, they're, they're professional athletes. They're grown men for, to an extent that, you know, some of them are, I know are young, but they know what they did wrong. I mean, film doesn't lie. I'm sure they watched the tape of it. I don't think, I'm sure Torts wasn't happy. I mean, hell, I watched his, his press conference, all 47 seconds of it. And there's nothing else to say. You guys, you guys stopped playing. You guys dropped the ball, you know. But here's the thing. I, 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 as you know, I have TSN here at my house. So I'm watching TSN after that game, and you'd have thought they were playing in the parade down Young Street in Toronto. And my problem wasn't that they beat Columbus. I, I, okay, it happens, whatever. Columbus fell apart. Toronto finally decided to play. You know, what, what did it say? 56, 56 minutes of that game, Columbus controlled the play. Toronto all of a sudden got momentum and decided to play. The Stars played. I mean, Austin Matthews, I think, assisted on all three – had the, had the game winner and assisted on two others. Uh, uh, Tavares scored one of the goals. Mitch Marner is, in my opinion, is playing like an absolute beast this entire series. And I'm not a pro-Toronto guy, but having TSN, I, I get to follow this. I don't think Tortorella needed to say much. I thought Toronto finally decided to show up in the last four minutes of a game. And I think as we're taping right now, the game is going to start in a few hours. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting game. Do you agree with Elvis not playing and Corpusalo playing tonight? I'm not 100% sold on that. But, you know, obviously those guys, you know, Tortorella and his staff know a lot more about their goaltenders than obviously our armchair does. So. I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it was Elvis that was the problem. I mean, yeah, there was a couple he should have had. I mean, uh Well, I think uh, the comment was he's unfit to play. Yeah, he he was deemed unfit to play. So whatever well, that means. That's a level of mystery that the NHL's been playing with since this all started. So we don't really know if there's anything truly wrong with him. I think they have two excellent goaltenders. They got a one and a one A. I don't think it's gonna be a problem. Corpusalo didn't play poorly at the start of the series. No, no, no. That that's like one of those. That's like one of those mysteries. Like the guy blocks a shot in his ankle, but yet on the injury report is he's got an upper body uh, injury. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I unfit, unfit to play. What does that mean? He's tired. He's got the sniffles. He might have COVID. We don't know. They're not going to tell you. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it's it. <laughs> Tonight's going to be exciting. I mean, this, this whole, this whole play in round, including the round robin stuff has been, it's been a lot of good hockey, man. It's been fun. Right. The loser of game five between Columbus and Toronto will go into the drawing for the number one overall pick in the 2020 NHL entry draft, along with Pittsburgh, Edmonton, Winnipeg, New York Rangers, Florida, Nashville, and Minnesota. Again, by the time this podcast airs, We'll know who got the pick as the drawing is Monday and we will be live Thursday. So we will have to talk more about this next week. But, guys, what are your thoughts on one of these teams getting the top prospect, Alex Lafreniere, instead of a team like Ottawa or Detroit? Well, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and and I think the uh, – again, I'm not quite sure how all this goes down, um, and I really have to dive into the procedure of this. But it, it is kind of 
I don't know. You look at a team like Detroit, uh, and they have they might not get a higher pick than a team like Pittsburgh. Right. Right. I mean, it's just someone's got to like justify and explain that one to me. Well, I I don't understand how two of the last place teams in the National Hockey League are not picking in the top five. I'm sorry, top four. I believe right. Detroit is number four. <clears throat> not that they don't aren't going to have an excellent option, but just imagine this. Just think about this for a second. Starting at center, Connor McDavid. On the wing, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. On the other wing, Alex Lafreniere. Right, right. Stop it. I mean, and the thing is, is Edmonton, Edmonton was bad for so long that they had how many number one draft picks? I mean, hell, I think they even traded some away already or released or waived some in, in the process. They've had so many. But, oh, how does yeah. the team that's in the basement not get the number one to cre- continue to create parity? Right, and that, parity, that's what me. it's all about is the parity of, of, of the National Hockey League, right? Yes. I mean, it's not like, and again, no, no dig on, on the NBA, but the, the NBA, you know who's going to play in the finals every year. You know that before the season even starts. You know, there's and really some no these, surprises in no, the NBA. True, no, in <clears throat> some of these other sports, it's it, there's a lot of parity there, right? Yeah. So I think with the NHL, they need to continue to do that. So I agree. agree. Some recent advancement news: former Cleveland Baron Phil Cattell will play junior hockey in the Tier Two North American Hockey League next season. Cattell, who played for the Connecticut Junior Rangers in the NCDC last season has signed with the NAHL's New Jersey Titans. Cattell from Cleveland Heights played with the Barons all the way through U18. Goaltender Drew Donahue of the Prowler Hockey Association has signed with the Columbus Mavericks of the United States Premier Hockey League. He considered a few other Tier 3 junior programs, but in the end, the Mavericks just made too much sense. Here's what Donahue had to say. I really decided to go with Columbus because, one, uh, I feel like they'll they have a really good program, great goalie coach, uh, close to home, and just felt like it was the best fit for me. The Prowler Hockey Association is a USA Hockey Mid-American District-sanctioned high school club hockey team participating in the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League, the OHSL. Donahue is not the first player to make the jump from the OSHL to the USPHL with the Mavericks. He thinks USA hockey programs are an undertapped market for scouts. Everyone in that league, we really, I feel like no one really gets noticed just because uh, almost like the backdrop of uh, Ohio high school hockey, you know, everyone in that league is always working hard just to better themselves to, uh, you know, make it to the next level. And Cincinnati Cyclones broadcaster Everett Fitzhugh was hired by the NHL's expansion, Seattle Kraken. Fitzhugh, a Bowling Green State University grad, has also called games for the Falcons and the Youngstown Phantoms. He is believed to be the first African-American play-by-play broadcaster to be hired by an NHL team. With the threat of the NCAA season starting late, or not at all, we're starting to see college hockey players explore professional options. There are always early departures for the pros, but decisions like Cornell's Morgan Barron signing with the New York Rangers and Harvard's Henry Bowlby leaving for the Florida Panthers are surely due, at least in part, to the Ivy League's delaying the start of the season to after the first of the year. Guys just do not want to lose a year of development. 
and European players are taking advantage of full seasons being played back home. Czech-born Jan Stefka left American International College after just two seasons to continue his career in his homeland, and Boston University's Kasper Kotkansalo is returning to his native Finland to play pro instead of finishing his college career with the Terriers. Kotkansalo specifically said the COVID pandemic was part of the decision. We are seeing it in the program as well. Jesse Pugliarvi, the fourth overall pick in the 2016 NHL draft, was expected to return to the NHL after playing in Finland last year, but he says he will stay where he is for next season as well. And Rocky River's own Carter Camper has decided to continue his career in Sweden, where the season is expected to go off on schedule. We'll try to get Carter on the podcast to see if COVID played a role in his decision. Fellas, we could see the high school hockey season threatened, correct? I would agree that that is a possibility. Um, as much as I don't want to uh, uh, agree with that or think that it's going to happen, I think at this point that is probably a good possibility. Okay, so the OHSA has moved to a six-week regular season plus expanded playoffs for football. There are over 700 OHSA schools that play football. What happens <clears throat> when there are positive tests after week one? even if it is in a small number of school, does the whole thing start to fall apart? Well, I would, uh, I would, I would hope that there is a protocol for that and that it wouldn't fall apart. Um, let's really call it what it is. Uh, the kids are going to get this. The coaches are going to get this if they already have not. Right. Um, so the procedure of what happens when somebody gets it should be no different than the procedures put in place that if a student would get it and they would have to quarantine themselves for, it's now 10 days, I understand, quarantine themselves for 10 or 14, whatever it, they say, uh, and then move on. And if any of those kids that were around the affected person or coach or player has symptoms, then they have to do the same themselves to just shut it down because of one positive is not following the protocol that's being set in place for return to school. So why does that have to change for return to athletics? I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that, and this is personal. I, I, and my personal opinion is that we're not seeing any sort of decisive actions. They waited. Well, I believe they waited till past August 1st to make the decision on football. They're going to go ahead and wait until probably about, I don't know, Thanksgiving to decide on hockey. Um, when I, we start. I, would say, I would say probably after the playoffs for football in, in the state of Ohio, you and I know that ends December. Right. True. But I don't know. I don't know with the new, with the new uh, schedule that they put out. I don't know the dates. So okay. if so, this was a normal situation, I think they end the first week of December. Okay. So I, I don't understand why. Nobody takes the lead and says, okay, here's what we're doing. Here, here, you know, with, with the whole going online and virtual for nine weeks, it drives me bananas because schools have worked so hard to be able to get the kids back into school. So they've done all this work, and now, okay, we're going to go virtual. Well, you just opened the window and did what you did out the window with all the work that went in. So let's, back to sports, from a mental standpoint, the kids need to play. Let's look at those kids that are less fortunate and maybe, and, and I don't know how this is going to come across and I don't really care, but some kids are going to need a sports season to further their themselves 
past high school. Well, you're just cutting their legs out from underneath them. And don't get me wrong. I understand the severity of what is going on. I'm not trying to downplay that, but for a mental standpoint, <clears throat> we all need to be, be active and, and, and back in our sport and somewhat normal. Yes. As you said, yes, things are going to happen. Yes. Somebody's going to catch this. Somebody's going to be test positive. Something is going to happen. I mean, hell the governor got it, but then the, again, then he, he did. didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> we've never been told the truth from day one. Not that this isn't real. I get it. It's real, but nothing has been a hundred percent true or a hundred percent certain since all this started. So this, this let's continue to wait and see, wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. Well, guess what? We got to make a decision. So instead of worrying about what, <laughs> how to avoid it, why don't we get to what's going to happen when it does happen? When yeah, somebody right. tests positive, what's the protocol? Because you're, the- you're not going to, I don't mean to interrupt, but you're not going to no. avoid it. It's not going to be something you avoid. I mean, I think something that concerns me that, that does scare me is the reports coming out of a state like Georgia. You know, they're, they're back in school. And it just, I mean, it's, again, they're not practicing a lot of the safe uh, measures that need to be practiced. I mean, there was videos out there of a, of a hallway in a school, no masks. The kids were shoulder to shoulder. Now that's not, that's not a safe environment in, in today's world, right? No. Correct. Again, as, as much as we talk about this new normal, that's not a safe environment, but um, you, you know, and again, I, I'm with you, Jay, this is, you know, this is a, a, a a platform that you know you and I keep a lot of our personal opinions off of the platform, and and, and rightfully so. But you know, I, I think one of the things that I just I, I, it concerns me, and I and I've because I, I, as as I don't know if I think majority of the people that listen to the show understand where and what we do uh, when it comes to coaching and how important it is for us to get back um, on the ice. <clears throat> I was I was doing some uh, you know I was reading this article about. Uh, the flu pandemic of the of 1918 and how it came back three times and all this other stuff and that uh, th- it wasn't done until there was a vaccine so I guess my question is and and you guys maybe you guys get the vaccine the flu vaccine I don't know if you do but um, I know there's a lot of our listeners that do every time I hear about the flu vaccine it's always well we this may be the proper strand this may be the proper strand this year we don't know right so is there really a true vaccine for the flu so we're waiting for a true vaccine and if it's the same as the flu it's a hope that's all it is it's a hope so now we're going to wait for a true vaccine that we hope is the right strand as we know these viruses mutate so what it is today is going to be something next year that's why we can never put our finger on the true flu but we still send our kids to school. We still send our loved ones to work. We still send them out in, 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 in the world. And we don't have a true vaccine for the flu. I'm just using that as an example. That's just right. one virus. Right. So I don't know, man. Uh, will it? Do I think it's going to affect Ohio High School Athletic Association? Yes, I do. I do. Uh, I don't want it to. I really don't. There's too many good people uh, that work for the Ohio High School Athletic Association. Too many good coaches amongst the state of Ohio that put a lot of time in and too many good student athletes, whether it's band, whether it's football, hockey, but it doesn't matter what it is. People, people need that for their, for their mental status. They do. Yes. They do. I, I just, yeah, I, man, <laughs> I, you know, there's a lot, I don't understand, you know, whatever, but <laughs> at some point, somebody's got to be the bad guy. So be the bad guy. You're going to shut them down, shut them down. 
Right. Get ready. I mean, you know you're gonna you know you're gonna take hell for it. You already understand it. So the fact that that school boards and administrations are are going virtual, and then there are uh, protest rallies, some somewhat you know for their sport. Um, I, I was privy to one that took place in a in a town here in Cleveland, um, and I just think, why didn't the governor do it? Why didn't the OHSA do it? Why is everybody pushing it around? Because they're all trying to figure out what to do. Well, look, it's here, man. And 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 you know, we can go. We can, you know, if I gotta edit this out because it's going too long, fine. But why the hell are we in the best country in the world? I'll just say in parentheses allegedly because to cover all my bases. No, no, we are. And we <laughs> and and we can't have. We don't have something to help combat this in some way, shape, or form. We don't have a vaccine of some sort. Like, look, I have family members that get that the flu vaccine all the time. Every year, they get it. I haven't gotten it once. Knock on wood, I haven't gotten the flu either. So why don't they have something that can at least minimize the effects of the virus? So, and what they're saying is they're saying that they're working on that. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But my, my point earlier was you're working on something to help alleviate the main causes of COVID-19. However, when you do that, next year, it's going to mutate. It's a different virus. From the time it started to now, it's Yeah, changed. right. No, you're right. You're right. You're yeah. right. So, so, it's like, what, so what the, the only thing that we do know that is a guarantee in a flu vaccine is that if you're allergic to eggs, you can't get it. It's the only damn thing we do know. <laughs> That's it, right? So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that, that's, and I'll get off yeah. our, our yeah. little soapbox there, but I really hope that it doesn't affect it, but I think it will. Uh, there is no better way to get your company's message across to the hockey fans in and around the state of Ohio than advertising on Ohio Hockey's Digest and the On Air Podcast. Contact Scott Harrington today at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com. It's time to get on air with the Bowling Green Bobcats, Coach Jamie Ruffner and Senior Captain Dylan Cox. After a year away, our next guests are in charge of returning the program to greatness. Bowling Green High School Hockey Team is a winner of six state championships and numerous Final Four appearances. With a year under his belt, Bowling Green Bobcat alum Jamie Ruffner is in charge of continuing the tradition. Please welcome on air Senior Captain Dylan Cox and Head coach of the Bowling Green Bobcats, Jamie Ruffner. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, guys. Hey. How are you guys today? Doing wonderful today. Let's, let's, start off, let's start off, Coach. Tell us a little bit about your coming up in hockey and what the Bowling Green Bobcats hockey organization means to you. Yeah, well, and I played most of my uh, my amateur years uh, in Bowling Green. There was a couple of years I left and played in Toledo, but uh, for the most part, I played in Bowling Green, and so I grew up in this organization. And at that time, it was you know it was Bowling Green Falcon hockey, and so that's what got most of me and my friends involved in hockey. And as we grew up, you know, it became uh, more apparent to us that maybe we weren't going to play for the Falcons; we played for the Bobcats. And so, you know, your love for the Bobcat program came very early. Uh, so I grew up playing uh, through the program um, when I was, I did not play my, my freshman and sophomore year. I actually went to Chatham, Ontario when I was 15 years old and tried out for the junior Maroons. 
decided uh, I didn't make that team and decided that I, I'd come back and play high school with my buddies at that point. I had some friends that were playing, and so we kind of all made a pact to come back and play high school hockey. And so, you know, the love for Bobcat hockey started early. Uh, we got to go on Sunday afternoons and see those guys play, and we looked up to them. It was something that we – it was a, an attainable goal that we had. Um, and so after I came back from college, I uh, played a couple of years of Division Three uh, hockey on East, and I came back, and it was just a natural fit to start coaching. Um, and so that's kind of where it all started for me. Coach, what years uh, did you play at Bowling Green? I played uh, 87 through 89. So I graduated in 89. And at that time, we were playing teams, you know, uh, Padua and Bowling Green were the two big teams uh, at, at that time. So, um, you know, I remember playing Holzinger and, uh, you know, other guys that kind of grew up through that Padua. And actually, you know, both of our programs have actually kind of mirrored each other. Uh, you know, the last couple of years, they were down a bit. They didn't go away for a year like we did, but uh, they were down a little bit. They're very young, and I think they're kind of an upcoming team in that area, too. So, uh, yeah, so I graduated in 89. That was back in the, the, the good old days of hockey. Yeah, yeah. Back the old clutch and grab days. <laughs> yeah, back when you could still do that. It was funny because I was listening to the podcast with uh, Varga, and he and I almost played together on Team Toledo. And that was the same year that I decided to come back and play for the Bobcats. But I remember him talking about how, you know, you just needed to show up to training camp, right? It wasn't like it is now, even for our high school levels. I mean, we do more training at the high school level than, you know, most semi-pros or pros used to do back in the day. Uh, but it was funny. So, um, you know, it goes back a long way. But all, all good times in the, in the mid to late 80s. So, Coach, you, you – when you started your coaching, you went through the youth levels for many years. And when the coaching position became available at Bowling Green and you were selected, what was the first thing that went through your head? Um, well, listen, I will say this much. I had gotten out of coaching for a couple of years. So I was actually contacted uh, whether I had interest or not in, in coaching the team. Um, I don't think they found what they were looking for in the original first, um, you know, resumes that were sent in. And so, as the process went on, uh, you know, I did get the phone call, and I will tell you this much. Um, I wanted this job, uh, I'm going to say probably 15 or 18 years. Uh, this is nothing new. I've coached for a long time. And, you know, for me, playing in the program and then coaching in the program, you, you, you wanted to become part of it at some point. Well, we had a Hall of Famer and Dan DeWitt here for 27 years, and he was pretty much going to run the, the helm as he saw fit. But, um, you know, bottom line is, uh, when I when I got the call, I thought about it for about five seconds. I told my wife actually that I, I called her first, but I had already answered that I would take the, you know that I was interested in the job anyhow. So young Dylan, young Dylan, pay attention to this, young Dylan. <laughs> then I called her and explained it, and she listen. She's been my biggest supporter, so you know it wasn't like she was going to say no. Um, it was hey, I have this opportunity, so. Uh, but you know, once the process played out and I was actually offered the position, uh, it was one of those things. I can't say that it was a dream come true because, you know, when you don't dream of where you want to end up coaching, you know, I, I never had, I wanted to coach, I wanted to be in this position. And so when I got it, you know, my dad had just passed a couple of years ago and he was still involved in the program ever since I had graduated. So, you know, for 30 years, he was still involved in this program. So I thought of him instantly and knew how proud he would be if he was able to be here and actually see me coach this team. 
So, you, you know, that's kind of been the driving force. That's what I thought of instantly. Uh, but it's been kind of a, a process that, that, you know, I think all of us, we, we get the places and we're not always sure how we got there and we didn't have the plan to get there, but it just, things do tend to work out. That's yeah. an inspirational story. And that's, you know, you know, well I guess, said. yeah, very well said. So Dylan, uh, for our, our listeners that, that don't know or are just learning about Bowling Green Hockey, Bowling Green Hockey has a tremendous tradition. We're going to talk about some of the successes uh, that Bowling Green uh, Bobcat Hockey had. And, and those that are around uh, the hockey world know uh, that tradition. So we were all kind of a little shocked when we heard that the, the team was going to go away for a year. So you come in as a freshman, Dylan. What an honor to play uh, your first year with the Bobcats. Mm-hmm. And, and then you find out uh, that the Bobcats are, are going to go away for your sophomore year. You know, can you just kind of – what were your thoughts during that? Uh, I didn't really believe it, honestly. Like, I came in, I thought – I mean, I didn't think I was going to make varsity, and I did. And I just thought I was going to be able to continue my career all through high school without any interruptions. And then to not have the team my sophomore year was just devastating. And it was just hard to know where to go from there, whether or not to keep going or just stop playing. And took a year off just to – see what it was like and it was just horrible it was devastating honestly so you t- you say you took your sophomore season off yeah okay so then what did it mean to you when you found out the team would be would begin again under coach Ruffner to start your junior year so you could ride out junior senior year playing for the Bobcats uh it meant everything it was just an amazing feeling to know that I was going to be able to play for the high school again and to know that it was Coach Ruffner was just awesome because I grew up around him. My brother played for him for a few years, so I know he was a great coach. Known him since I was real little, and it was just amazing. And to know that I'd be able to keep playing hockey was a great feeling because that, that year off was horrible for me. Just wanted to be back out there. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, Coach, you you take the reins of a program that you grew up in. Um, you started with a young core of freshmen and sophomores last year. Um uh, and I, I'm, I do have to say this as a, uh, someone who's very entrenched in high school hockey, the transition that, that you and your team made from Thanksgiving to the district tournament, or I'm sorry, ter- the state tournament was astronomical. It was unbelievable uh, what you as a coaching staff and what your guys did in that short period of time. I just want to commend you on that before I move on with the next well, question. I mean, thank you very much. And I, I will say this, uh, you, we played you at Thanksgiving. So, so you know uh, where we were, it was, uh, it was, it was tough. It took us four months to figure out how to, how to play at this level. Even the kids like Dylan who had played high school hockey, they were freshmen when they played. So, you know, they had one year or at most maybe two years of experience and then you go away for a year. It's not like you just pick this up right away. Yeah, so, right. Uh, you know, it, it took us a long time. And, and we listen. We we had nineteen or twenty kids come out for tryouts. So we took almost what we had. And you know, listen. It's the kids who made this happen. They worked hard. They persevered, and they believed that we could be better than what we were when we started. And I think the big thing about hockey and maybe any sport is. You know, it's not always, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I will say this, leading into this summer, we still feel the effects of beating Finley. Now, it was it was one or two games, but we, you know, and then we took St. Francis deep. Um, but you can still feel those ripple effects for the kids coming back, which is 
you know, 15 or 16 of our kids are returners. So yeah. it's, it's been nice. Thank you. I, yeah, I, yeah. we do, we do appreciate that. No, no. And it's, it was, it was quite impressive. And I do want to mention that. And again, I just, be, again, before I move on with this question, uh, it's amazing when uh, high school kids get, they get to get a little sniff of success, how that can just go with them. They, like you said, the ripple effect. So I, I even if it's just one game, uh, that's well, enough to get them going. Well, um, I mean, it, it was a culmination of the month of February that it really took a turn. So it wasn't just – the culmination, I guess, was that one game beating Finley and then, you know, really having a, a chance against St. Francis all the way up until the, you know, six-minute mark of the, of the third period. Uh, but, yeah, from that, our, our kids – those two, those two or three games that we had in states right there, that, I mean, that was uh, invaluable for our kids and our, our program, especially just back. Right, right. So what were your thoughts? Uh, you know, uh, Jason and I had the opportunity of building a hockey program 18 years ago uh, at a different school than we're currently at now from nothing. Um, what were your thoughts on building the program again uh, and and it, to get it to where it needed to be sustained. Well, I mean, for, for us, it was trying to make um, some inroads with our youth hockey program, which they have done a pretty good job. You know, before we would take in kids, and this is no offense to any other organization or team, but, you know, Perrysburg kids were close, Anthony Wayne were close, and so those kids would come to Bowling Green and play youth hockey. Well, they would play up and through the Bantams, and then they would go to their high school team. Uh, which, which uh, again, is fine. However, uh, our youth hockey enacted a rule a couple of years ago that you had to have 80% Bowling Green kids. Listen, we want to we teach hockey, yes, to everyone. However, we're Bowling Green youth hockey, so our fo- focus has to be on the end of the line for Bowling, excuse me, Bowling Green youth hockey, and that is Bowling Green high school hockey. So we have to take care of our own. So that, that, you know, that was one thing that we were able to um, kind of get under wraps um, you know, with the, with the kids in the organization and the program of what it's been, we don't want to rest on, you know, the past histories or anything else. This is all new. Um, but it, it's recycling those kids, making them aware that, you know, Bowling Green is a, a destination. It can be a destination again. Um, it's working hard. It's showing the kids at the lower levels that, you know, you do your best, you come out, you work really hard, you'll have a chance. And I, and I think our kids are Young kids showed that this year, and I think that will, again, it will continue to um, to evolve as time goes on. It, you know, starting a program, it wasn't from scratch. I will say this: it helped that our name was Bowling Green. Uh, but I even with that, I had a hard time trying to get a full schedule last year. You know, people, teams get into tournaments, teams get into you know home and away series, and it makes it difficult uh, for you know for somebody to kind of crack that. So the Bowling Green name helped. But again, you know, this is all new. Um, well, our tradition and our, our history says that we were something at one day um, or at some point in the past. We're not that anymore. So we have to embrace a new uh, way of doing things. Um, but I think we all know that there, there's a lot of different ways to get to the top. Um, hard work, you know, having the right skill level, uh, the teachings at the lower levels. I will say I wasn't a big fan of the ADMI when USA Hockey came out with it, but for for parents that are coaches that don't know hockey it's been a pretty good tool for kids to learn some of those fundamentals at the lower levels without the parent actually having played the game or understanding how to coach right so right you know those things those things those lower level things go a long way absolutely 
Well, Dylan, it, it had to feel really, really good playing again for your school. Even though there were ups and downs of the season, what was it like to put that Bobcat jersey back on in front of a home crowd? Uh, honestly, there's not really another feeling like it. Like, you can go and put on a jersey for any other team that you want to play for, but playing for your own school and representing something that's big in your life and playing in front of all kinds of people, your friends, family, and everyone – it's just a great feeling to have, and it's a great opportunity to have, especially at a young age like this. What? And I might not get that opportunity again later what, on. So, what did it feel like the first home game, and you go out there for warm up? I wish you could go with no helmet, get the old hair skate going, so the the girls could check you out. You know, Co- Coach Ruffer and I wish the same thing too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, <clears throat> I've been there. You both do go out with no helmets on for, for warm up skate, <laughs> and the crowd goes bananas for both of you. Uh, I've yeah, seen right. it. Even though, even though, Coach, I, I know you wear your hat a lot of the time, but regardless of it, it's a beautiful head. <laughs> I couldn't yeah, finish that well, sentence. It's a beautiful head. I, I mean, I mean, I have embraced it for so long, <laughs> but there's something like when I get mad, my whole face and head turns red, and I really don't want no. fans seeing the emotion <laughs> in my head. Okay, so that's where it lies the the hat thing. Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay. So, hey, let's, so let's get so, back to let's get back so to Dylan's hold answer. On, this is in, hold on, Dylan. I'll be right with you. All so right. what you're telling me is when you guys get mad, you bald you bald headed guys get mad. It's natural that the entire head turns like a shade of burgundy. Just I mean, I'm, I'm, actually, coach, I'm asking for a friend. Go ahead. My Irish. Uh, <laughs> Turning my camera off. <laughs> my Irish uh, background says yes. My whole head okay. turns red, not just my face. Now okay. I don't know that for for certain, but I'm going to say that it most likely does. Yes. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I second that. I second I can, that for somebody I know. I, Anyways, I can confirm. Go back to, go back to <laughs> Dylan. I, Dylan, I apologize. What was it like the first time you walk out in, in for a warm up first home game? What, like outside of everything you just said, can you, can you even put into words what the emotion felt like? You know, you're there for a year, you go away for a year, you come back, you got the Jersey on your, your, your uh, schoolmates are there cheering for you. Your families and friends are there. What is going through your head? Like, let's come on, boys. Let's have a good show. What else? It's like, it's almost like nothing you've ever felt before. It's just so emotional and trying to take in everything that's going on around you. It's almost hard to focus on the fact that you're about to go play a game. Like just, there's so much to take in and it's just amazing. You feel everything. Every, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Honestly. Well, I can't, I could only imagine because, you know, Jay and I grew up, and when we grew up, we played uh, against Bowling Green. So we know the atmosphere of a Bowling Green high school uh, hockey game in that building. And when you guys announced you're coming back and we looked up your first home game, we contemplated coming up just to watch the – just to see the atmosphere uh, because yeah. we know what it's like. So to be a, a, a player in that atmosphere had to be so special for you. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, after all the years of success under Coach Dan DeWitt and Eddie Powers – uh, what did you learn from those guys that took you to the that that you could take to current players today? Uh, you know, I think the, the the biggest thing was just patience. You know, you, you could see. So I coached Bantams for 15 years that mirrored their 27 years at the high school level. So you know, my kids were a year removed, and sometimes I lost Bantam kids to the high school team. So it was, I think, watching them uh, take freshmen and be patient with them, give them a year to kind of you know, get 
under listen, it, it's a huge jump. I mean, you look at, at at Bantam to high school or high school to junior or junior to college, you know, those are huge steps. They're not small steps. People don't always look at them and say it's a huge step, but I think you have to have to you have to have patience with your younger kids. And so I think uh, from from Dan for certain, uh, having the patience to allow these kids to kind of find their own game, their own track into becoming a, you know, a, not even a dominant part, but just a, a part of the program. You know, listen, we all need role players. So it's, it, maybe you're not a scorer, you're a hitter, or you're a third line, fourth line guy. You know, he always had patience with his guys. And I thought that was the best thing. The other thing I really liked that what Dan did all those years is for the most part, he played four lines. I mean, he had the talent to roll four lines. And when you can roll four lines, as you guys know, uh, you can find, you know, if you have talent in your top two lines, you can find some success because, you know, last year with our team, we had three lines. If we were lucky, if we had injuries or something like that, we might end up with, uh, you know, eight forwards or nine forwards. You know, it was, it was hard sometimes to not have that depth. So I would say those two things, the patience that Dan showed to his players, all those, you know, for all those years, especially the young guys coming into it, uh, you know, that that's a big deal. And so I, again, um, you know, my Irish background doesn't allow me to have a lot of patience. Uh, and you can, you can talk to Dylan about it. Yeah. Uh, there were, there were, there were times where my patience was very, very thin, but uh, you know, I think again, much like the players, the coaches found kind of their niche in this whole season last year and it allowed us to learn as well. And I, you know, as you guys know too, both of you, uh, every day we learn as coaches and if we're not, then, you know, we're kind of going backwards. It's no, it's no, just stop. It's either forward or backward. Yeah. That's it. Uh, and so the coaches had to find, you know, how we needed to coach these kids. I've coached midget level kids. So I've coached up to 18 year old kids before, but when it's been a little bit of time and we all know that over the years, that the kids, their attitudes and behaviors change, we have to deal with all that. So, you know, to have more patience, I think, I think is a, a virtue. It's a big deal. And that's probably one of the biggest things that Dan and that I learned from the, uh, the past regime. So coach, you're, you're, you definitely had a, a wonderful push through the state tournament. I mean, I know making the, the adjustments that you guys made to, to not just compete, but to succeed throughout the state tournament was amazing to read about and to hear about and to learn about. And the fact that Bowling Green was back and playing that competitive brand of hockey that had to make you feel good and had to make you proud of the direction you were helping guide the boys in. What did you tell the boys on day one that ultimately showed them as it went on the buy-in to the success you, you saw at the end? Well, I mean, I think probably one of the first things I said is nobody owes us anything. They are going to want to stomp us because of our name. I mean, again, say what you will, but there's, there's a history here. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, especially in the, the Sylvania Toledo area that didn't like playing us back in the eighties and nineties because it was a dominant program at the time. Um, so I think I said those things, um, you know, and, and I don't want anybody to give us anything. I want, you know, we got to play you got, uh, St. Ed's in the, at the cold Turkey. We played Gilmore. We played Liberty. We played these teams right off the bat. We, in you know, retrospect, we probably shouldn't have. We should have probably eased into it a little bit. But I didn't take this job to coach, uh, you know, a glorified JV team or anything like that. I, I took this job to try to get back to where we were. 
will that happen in a year? No, it won't, but it's going to happen because we believe that it will. Our program is stronger at the youth levels. Our, our, you know, our base is, is very wide now at the mini might and might level, which is what you have to have in order to get to the Bantam level and still have a good group of kids to choose from. Um, so, you know, that, that's, those, that's the driving force here. And I think it was something to the effect of nobody owes us anything. Whatever we get this year is going to be well-earned and well-deserved. And again, it did take us four months to kind of get, now we had games. We, we had some games along the way that we were in it and we played really hard. I remember, you know, uh, in the first week or two, Northview of the league, anyhow, Northview beat us pretty handily. They may have beat us by 10 goals. I don't remember. Uh, but then we had them back at the middle of December, I want to say, at home. And it was a 3-2 game Northview going into the third period. You know, And so we, we, had, we had baby steps. Unfortunately, because we were so young, what would happen is we would take two steps forward one game. And the next day or the next game, we would take three or four, five steps backwards. You know, And it was just that youth of they, they thought they had it figured out in one game and they came back and they found out they didn't. Uh, the other thing that we, you know, and, and every coach can attest to this is we were not on ice conditioned, ready to go by the end of November. Um, and so that became a coaching issue. It was, we should have had these guys in better conditions once we got to the season, but you know, that, that, that's it. I mean, for the most Dylan, part. Dylan's rolling his eyes right now going, oh, God, uh, I, know what, I know what's coming now. I agree with everything he's saying right now. <laughs> um, so, Dylan, heading into your senior season, you know, I, I feel – you know, I, I work in a school, and, and I, I obviously coach, and I feel horrible for all of our athletes and students, not just athletes, but especially our seniors going into this time of uncertainty right now and, and – I can only imagine the, the emotion that's going through your head and the rest of your senior classmates, but what, let's take that away. You know, yeah. what are you looking for for most to this season with hopes that we have a normal season? Well, um, last year we, we had a rough time winning games last year. And that's not, the, that's not always the main thing, but this year I really hope we can be super competitive, win more games. Like we didn't win a game in the, in the league last year until playoffs and this year I'm hoping we can make a statement and win a few let them know we're there before we get to the end of the season well based on the way the season went last year regardless of the wins and losses you know and, and being uh, on the outside looking in and, and following along over the course of the year what you guys were able to do I'm going to say this it was amazing it was fantastic and I'm going to tell you this I'm not surprised right Right. In, sure, in, yeah. in understanding coach, in, in having conversations with them. And, and to be honest, coach, it was a walk across the ice. And you and I spoke uh, walking off the ice after a game. Mm-hmm. And I looked at uh, Sully and I said, it's not going to take long. It's not going to take long. Because yeah. you guys you guys are, are, are definitely doing right things from top to bottom, uh, not only in your organization, but in throughout the youth. And it's going to pay off. And and my hope is that we have a season um, for you guys, for the seniors, for all the players involved. And it, it's just you guys are going to do good things, man. You just just keep like coaches, keep working your tail off, and and trust and believe in what they're showing you. It's it's going to happen. Yeah, it it was amazing the amount of progress we made from November 
to February, March last year, or last year, and I just hope we can make something like that happen again, where we make that much progress within the team that we can show everyone. Well, Dylan, it's, it's got to be a positive influence having a nationally ranked Division One team in the same building as you guys. Yeah. How, how often do you guys watch the Falcons play? Or, 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 or practice. Yeah, practice mainly. Whenever, whenever we don't have games out of town that weekend, we're at the games. We're watching. We're always there. And then if they're practicing before us, we're always watching. There's never a time we're not missing an opportunity to watch the Falcons play. What's what, the, go ahead, Jay. What, what's the biggest thing you take away from watching the collegiate division one guys play collegiate hockey players? It doesn't matter division. What's the biggest thing you've noticed watching them either practice or, and, or play. doesn't matter who your teammates are. It, it's your teammates are your teammates. That's who you get. That's who you're stuck with. And you got to make the best out of it. My brother, my brother used to work for the Falcons and uh, I heard all the stuff that went on with their teammates and, didn't matter what was going on. They always had to figure it out, get through it. So that's a big thing for me. Well, and if I can interject there, if you don't mind, uh, the, the bad thing about Falcon practices is they're like 8.30 to 11 in the morning. Yeah. So ba- ba- back in the day, I would miss the school bus when I was in elementary school. So I could walk over because their practices were like 2.35. So it was perfect. My mom worked on campus. She would pick me up, you know, miss the school bus type thing. Uh, but, but watching their practices, I would say this, the amount of work they put in to practice, like these kids, I mean, our kids, and, and we all know that our kids work hard, right? But I think watching them in practice, it takes it to a whole new level of how hard you have, and that, that's practice. So imagine what they're doing, what they're bringing for games. And so I think that's, at least for me, an old hockey player trying to teach new hockey players, you know, what, what's one thing that you can control? It's how hard you work, how much work you put into it. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, work doesn't understand talent, right? It doesn't. You, you go out and you work your tail off. Uh, good things are going to happen. You might find that you have talent for it as well, but you can always go work hard. So and I think that's the one thing that watching the Falcons, those guys or any, you know, we get to see a lot of pregame skates and things like that. You know, the day like on Thursdays when other teams come in and, and you see them working so hard. And it's just one of those things that I, I, it blows my mind that they're working that hard at practice. Imagine how they're going in a game. And so you just try to convey that message to the, the kids you're coaching in hopes that they might watch it and see that work work ethic and work level and understand that's what it takes for that kind of success. Now, well, coach with, with, with uh, staying on that same uh, topic, do you have an opportunity to talk with the current Falcon coaches or maybe f- previous coaches like coach Bergeron uh, and, and, you know, with your Bobcat hockey program, or just yourself? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd like to have a better relationship, but those guys are super busy. That's their full-time job. So, you know, sitting down with the high school coaches always is not going to happen, but I will say that uh, coach Bergeron and I had had conversations in the past, but uh, actually uh, coach Balkovic, the assistant coach uh, right now, he and I have had some pretty good conversations and, you know, it, it's, we've all been involved in hockey for a long, long time, but it's amazing just talking to other people uh, what you can learn about the game and maybe you know you've done it this way for 20 years and they suggest you know they've done it this way and you think about it and you realize well maybe that's a better way to do it I mean we all are trying to get better at what we do so yeah as much as I can I you know I have conversations with those guys 
uh, in season, obviously it's really hard because our schedules sure. just don't match up, but uh, we do have a chance of having uh, a Falcon um, coach's son this year. I don't know whether they're going to end up playing or not, uh, but if we do, that would certainly lend to even more conversations, uh, you know, a, a, about hockey. And, and again, anything that we can learn to, to teach our kids, uh, the better off we are. So I, I've used those people, you know, those coaches in the past as a resource uh, because I think it's a good resource to have. So coach BG qualified for 13 to 14 state tournaments from 91 to 2004, winning four state titles. Now you are responsible to guide the program through a rebuilding phase of sorts. How do you balance the, the, the history with the short-term goals, which may be a little more abstract than just wins and losses? Well, I mean, listen, we are the first ones to say this is our history, right? This, but this isn't what we are today, okay? We can, we can look up at the banner and say 1998 really was the last time we won one, um, to be honest with you. Um, I, we're realists. We get it. We want this team to be successful. But coming back after not having a season um, and going from where we started on day one to where we ended, um, you know, it, it was phenomenal. Not, not, not at all what the coaches did, what the kids did, and what they bought into. And in that, you know, the lead that we have them on is is the right direction. We just got to keep pushing in that same direction. The kids are starting to buy into it. I think they see um, that with hard work and, and, and just pushing forward, that we're going to get there. We have a lot of kids coming from, you know, the lower levels too. But our history is not something we want to ever forget, but it's certainly not anything that we can say we're going to win because we're Bowling Green. You know, and, and I will say this, this is something that I've, I've taken most of my coaching career, and that is it's not how you, you know, it's not whether you win or lose. It's how you win. It's how you lose. I've, I've gone into locker rooms. We lost, you know, two to one. It was a great game, and I've congratulated the kids and said, you know, you guys worked really hard. You deserve the better outcome. And we've all had games where we've won, where we probably shouldn't have, and we look terrible doing it. So, you know, it, for me, it's never, of course, we all want to win. We all want to find success, but that's not what this is about. Success will come. You know, I've told these kids, you do, you take care of the little things and all the big stuff will take, will come along with that little stuff. And the little stuff is hard work not cheating yourself, not cheating your teammates, not cheating your, your, you know, your program, let's say, or not cheating the history of our program. Come every day to be the best player and the best person you can be. And let's, you know, let's figure this out. So to go back on the history of it, we don't ever want to forget that, but it's not something that we can hang our hats on today and just try to live off of. We're not. When, when we become successful again, it will be a whole new era. It'll be 20 years past or 23 or 24 years past the last time we were successful of winning a state championship. So not something we want to forget, something we always got to look up for and, and know that this program can do it. Uh, but we have to forge our own new way forward. Right. Uh, one, one more for you, coach. And I want to get to uh, something with Dylan real quick, but you know, as you look back, on this year, the first year back, and your first year taking the helm. Well, is there things that you might have changed that you see now? Uh, and what are you looking forward to moving ahead? 
Oh my gosh. Uh, everything? Uh, not really, but yes. I mean, you know, I feel, listen, I feel like a total buffoon as a four, as a, as a, uh, a colleague of yours in this high school hockey asking you that question, but I have to take myself out of that. <laughs> no. Listen, I get it. Uh, yeah. I mean, we learned so much, um, you know, from dealing with, um, I mean, and you guys know, again, you're putting 20 personalities together. Um, they're mental and, and physical makeup is completely, you know, it's, it's everywhere, let's say. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I learned how to better communicate with each individual player. Um, I think that we also learned that by having film on Saturday mornings and getting together as a group, not where we're skating, not where we're working out or conditioning, we just get together, we have breakfast, we watch film, we break those things down. You know, that's something we learned late in the season. And I think that it was part of our success later in the, in the year was that we, we got to watch ourselves and, and not, not just what we did wrong, but what we did right too. And so I think those are the things I learned that, you know, we, we cannot, um, the, I guess the, probably the, the biggest thing was the communication with the players, sitting down and, and, and having individual meetings with people you know, because we were young, we didn't have any captains last year. This year, we're going to have captains. So that's something that's going to be completely different moving forward is that we're actually going to. So if we didn't teach the players about our program last year, the coaches, that is, the players didn't never learn from each other because besides Dylan and two other players, there was nobody else that was there in the program. So, so, so with that being said, Coach, I, and I do have to say this, with that being said, we do give all of our credit to, to our kids, and you know that as well. I, yeah. I've heard it from you, and I, I agree with you. But in this situation as well, you guys, you and your coaching staff, had to lay that concrete down for them to learn. So I will say this, yeah, I'll, I'll give 95% of the credit to the kids, but everyone also ought to give you and your coaching staff a lot of credit too for putting that solid uh, – a concrete down for them to learn then what they did with it was on yeah. them so i just want to make i just want to get that out well and I, and I appreciate it and dylan can attest to this dylan and i had a, a numerous run in or two on the bench but we <laughs> learned from each other i think and i i think dylan those today are called conversations be, <laughs> right right <laughs> uh, but i think dylan can attest to this too that we both learn from each other i mean and, and again I, i'm not i'm not past i'm you know almost 50 but i'm not past the point of saying a, an 18 year old taught me something all right i mean because if we are, then we're too set in our ways to learn to move on. Right. And so I would never, ever say that. I, I, I learned stuff. I will say I learned more about the game of hockey coaching it than I ever did from a coach playing it. Right. And so, oh, yeah. you know, I now I want to take what I'm learned and give it to these players um, because I'd never had that growing up as a coach. We always used to have, you know, we'd maybe have a coach for two years. And sometimes it was a Falcon, ex-Falcon and things like that. So we never had that consistency. Um, and so I'm learning, they're learning. But, yeah, moving forward, I mean, I, I think that if you can have a good working relationship with your student athletes, um, there is a respect that goes back both ways. Um, you know, you guys, it's amazing what you can do if you, if you set your mind to a goal and you work hard. It can be obtainable, but it can't be – with just the kids or just the coaches. It has to be a conjoint effort to make things better. And I will say this much, the kids, uh, maybe to a man, they tell you they didn't buy in, but they bought in. 
to a certain extent, or we wouldn't have ended up the way we were. And I, I wouldn't have the feeling I have uh, throughout this whole summer and off season moving into the fall. Uh, if we have a season, I am extremely excited for this group to see, because I want this group to look back, not just this past year. I want them to look back two years when they look back and say, look what we've accomplished. Because one year it's not enough. You have to take the whole ball of wax. And, and our kids are, are good like that. And you guys know coaching high school kids. You know, we have good, smart, intelligent kids. I just want to get back to that, that video thing real quick. And then Dylan, I want to talk to you one last question before we uh, end it. The Tudor Walleye uh, head coach, Dan Watson, was on our uh, podcast uh, a month ago or whatever it was. And when you said you started to watch film on Saturday mornings, and, you know, it's great to get the guys together. Uh, away from the, the rink, have some breakfast, watch some films. They would do a thing called, I don't know if you guys listen to this podcast, but they do a thing on Tuesday and, and they would call it truthful Tuesdays and they would show the film and it would be truthful on what people or what players failed to do or what they did. Right. You know what I mean? And right. uh, we talked a lot in that podcast and um, uh, to our listeners, if, if you want to know the importance of, of film in today's game, um, Listen to go back and listen to that because Dan does a really, really good job on explaining it. And it could be done at the highest pro level or the squirt level, right? Doesn't matter. So, so Dylan, moving on, you're, you're, this is going to be, we're going to have a year. I'm going to play positive here for you. So, um, what do you want? If you had the, I mean, what you do now, I have the forum. What do you want the people uh, in the state of Ohio to know? Uh, about Bowling Green Bobcat hockey coming up this year. I'm going to let you end this interview with with what you want people to know about Bowling Green Bobcat hockey. Oh, we'll edit that one out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Honestly, I want them to know we're here to stay from now on. We're not. We're not going to be gone again. And if for some reason we do, we'll be back again, better than ever, of course. We're not going to give up, no matter how how stacked the odds are against us. We're always going to fight hard for what we want the outcome to be. And even if it doesn't come out to what we want it to be, we're going to work hard to get there. And our comeback will always just be greater than our setbacks. Cool. So. Uh, very well said. Like very well it, said. Like it. Very well said, young man. Any shout-outs to your friends? Just the guys on the team. There you go. There you go. Well, Dylan, thanks again uh, for taking your time coming out and uh, chatting with us. Coach, always nice to see you. Um, thanks for chatting with us again. Uh, we look forward to uh, uh, seeing you guys uh, in a couple months. Again, I'm being optimistic here. Yes. Uh, and and look looking forward to continue to follow your great uh, success as a uh, as you worded this a not a new program but a a, a rebooted program. So yeah. um, we look forward to watching that. Thanks for coming on, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, thank, thank you. you, guys. Appreciate it. Buckle up, folks. We now bring you part two of our sit-down with Steve Rimshaw from Warrior Hockey. So, Steve, you're, you're doing some coaching now. You're coaching little kids. You talked about coaching your own kids now. You know, what got you into leaving? Obviously, we know what, why, what got you into leaving playing. But what got you into, into the coaching side of hockey now? I think the, just the biggest thing about uh, getting me into the coaching is um, – I think I kind of touched on it uh, last week was just giving back to the, giving back to the game and, and, and um, um, hopefully having a positive influence on, on some young kids out there and, and their passion for the game as well. 
So um, I I loved I loved you know obviously loved the play. Um, I loved the whole uh, um, X's and O's part of the game as well. Um, so I just wanted to find a way to work with the kids, try to get them better, and try to see where their goals could be, and 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 get them to play at, at the next level. And I think. You know, it's it's always been a passion for me to 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 coach. I've always had I always liked having input with the coaches when I played. Um, I always liked uh, playing for coaches that were very personable and would interact with their players. You know, and and ask for free feedback. So it was one of the things that, like, when I got out of hockey, um, I was presented with an opportunity to coach, and um, you know, I I fell in love with it right away. And just to, just to have a kid, you know, you explain to a kid, Hey, go, go post up on that, on that, uh, um, on that wall. And he does it and he gets the puck and he makes a play and it's all the things that you've been teaching him all, all year long. And he finally does it. And you see the smile on his face and he gets it. That's the pure enjoyment that I have of of it all. All right. So Steve, you're into coaching. How do you think the landscape of hockey's changed? since from when you played and were receiving instruction to now that you're coaching and giving instruction? I think it's changed immensely. Um, growing up as a kid, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that kids these days are, are, are soft or anything like that, but um, it's much different dynamic in coaching when I was, when I was playing to coaching these kids now. Um the attention to detail that you have to be with these kids and, and, and to no fault of their own, like this, like, you know, um, you, you gotta, you gotta give these guys, give these kids as much tools as you can in order for them to, to get through to them, which is okay right now. Cause I, I mean, I'm speaking from kids that I coach that are, are young. They're anywhere from, you know, uh, nine years old all the way down to, uh, you know, fives and six year olds. So, um, even when I coached at the major midget level, um, so you're dealing with 18, 18 year olds, like, you know, you, you did diagram a drill on a board at practice and then you got to walk through it with them. And, you know, it's just, it's hard for them to get to, to get it at, uh, sometimes. Um, but you know, there, I'll tell you one, one of the, the changes that that's in a, in a positive direction with these kids, they're so much more talented now than back when I played. I mean, uh, getting them to, um, seeing like my, my, my kid watches all these YouTube clips and everything. And he watches Crosby and he watches McDavid play and all these guys that are doing it. And next thing you know, he's at practice. He's trying to do what those kids are doing. When it went back, when I played, it was like, you go up and down your wing and you bump, you bump bodies, you get pucks in deep and, and you go attack their defense. That's how we were taught to play. Now you got kids zigzagging on blue lines, putting pucks between their legs, you know, dangling the, the defenseman and, they like they can do it because they practice this stuff because it's you know it's available to them for them to see this um but i mean i think the biggest difference is just you know we back back when i played it was you coaches coaches would get get a hold of you and it was almost robotic the way that i i 
learned how to play. And now it's, it's getting these guys to actually get a little more robotics into them, so to speak, of just trying to keep it simple compared. And, and, you know, it, at sometimes at, at this level, it, it, it drives you as a coach crazy. Cause you know, I, there, there's, there's a couple of times that I, you know, I was coaching a kid this, this past year and he's going down on a break when he's putting it between his legs and trying to shoot it. And I'm like, like, Hey, like great, nice try, but like, let's, let's try to score that goal there. Like what, like maybe let's try that in practice and work on that in practice and not in the game type of thing. So, you know, they're, they're much more uh, in tune to, to try things than, than back when we were. Cause I think we, you know, we'd, we'd get scared and we wouldn't even try something like that. But these, these kids, they just, they just, they, they're much more skilled. Um, it's, and, and um, it, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to work with, with all the kids. Well, obviously that's a lot of it's because of, you know, what we're watching in in the National Hockey League. Do you also see it too? I don't want to say this the wrong way, but as a negative as well, what some have called like an Xbox hockey. Oh to where they, they get right on top of the defenseman. Like let's say they're going on a one-on-one, so to speak, and and they get right on top of them. And unfortunately, we are not equipped with that special move button. The X button. Yeah. You Jay, you're asking the guy who's wearing the Fortnite. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, is that what you? See? <laughs> but do do you see do you see the 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 Xbox moves? You know where they hit the X button, I guess, and they try to do that right on top of a guy versus you know it, it's almost a gift and a curse that they're seeing you know the the, the ridiculous stuff that that McDavid's doing, which is phenomenal, and even. Even uh, Marner and, and uh, uh, what's his name, Austin Matthews, as well as Crosby. But you, you watch Crosby's game. Crosby's more uh, – he's got those things, but he's more of – I don't want to say an old style of game. Crosby's more grinding than – I watch McDavid knock a puck out of the air, waist level, then chip it up over the defenseman stick, then come in on top of the crease and shelf the goaltender. I'm like, gee, yeah, yo, but, you but, but here's the thing. It, it's, it's called creativity, right? When we all grew yeah. up, creativity was in your backyard going, oh, I, you know, I'm going to yes. win this Baron Cup or this whatever, yep. whatever this yep. state tournament. You know, it's we never got mm-hmm. to watch that stuff on video. So you had to be creative yourself, right? Correct. So I, I, and I'm with Jay. I, and what do you think about, do you think just watching the YouTube videos and emulating that is taking away some of the personal creativity mm-hmm. that kids are missing? Uh, yes. I, I think, like, it's all great to, you know, see these – highlight real goals and see these guys that you know take the puck and do a spinorama around one guy great you know deke deke through the defenseman's legs and go toe drag shelf and then you sit there and be like wow how did he do it but kind of this the downfall of of some things of that like it's hard to say like oh that's that's a downfall when you see something like that but right you know you see you see you you know a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old sees that and goes well i i you know that Sidney Crosby, who's my, my favorite player, just did that. I want to be like him. I'm going to go do that. Right. And you're like, son, we got to work. We got to stick with the basics and, and keep, keep learning how to stick handle with our heads up, try to make tape, tape passes and, and work on our skating. You know, that's, what's going to get you to the next level. And, and, and as you get older and as you, as you progress in your, um, in your abilities, then all that stuff comes, comes into play. Yeah. But, so many times I see these, these kids that need to work on the more, the fundamentals 
of the game. And they, that's what they have a hard time understanding and a hard, and a want to, to learn that they just want to, um, you know, make the unbelievable plays. Like I just, I, we, I, my son's team had had practice, you know, um, a couple of days ago and I got kids coming up to me and going, Hey, we going to scrimmage today. Hey, we're going to scrimmage today. And it's like, no guys, we're, we're here to, we're here to work and we need to get down to the fundamentals first before we can just, it's just not okay. It's practice. So, um, we're going to scrimmage. Yeah. We're going to have fun. Um, we're, we're going to work hard. Um, but it's, you know, it's at times it's getting the kids to believe in practice makes you better. And that's, that's a hard message. I think that a lot of kids have, cause they just, you know, we're, we're, we're programming, I think kids right now to be like, play games, play games, play games, play games. And we need more kids that, uh, to, to fall in love with practice too, and, and have the reward of working hard in practice is the game and to have that you know dangle that carrot in front of them to to work hard and practice then you get to go go play a game um so that's i mean growing up we practiced all the time and 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 it was installed in us the work ethic the um you know the the hatred of losing and everything i think now nowadays you see kids and not i mean just again speaking for some not speaking for all um you know they lose a game. Eh, oh, well, well, we'll get them next time. Well, where's that burning desire that we had when we were growing up as you learn, you, you lose a game. I remember numerous times losing a game in like Bantams and me being in the locker room with like, like a couple other kids and still have like my skates on, um, like my lowers on and my dad walking in the locker room after like a half hour going, are we leaving right now? Like what, like what is going on? Like what's taking you so long? And it was like, I was devastated from the loss and like, didn't want that to happen. And, and like my dad used to always say like, like don't take a a loss so, so seriously or whatever. It's just one game, whatever. And, but it was like, it was installed in me right away that like you want to win every single game and you want to be the best every single time you're out there on that ice. And I think now it's, we've kind of lost that in, in, in the kids and, and, and at least the kids that sometimes like I coach and everything that they, you know, they lose the game. Ah, that's all right. Uh, it was still getting at Slurpees after the game though. Right. Right. Mom, like we're still getting Slurpees. Right. And, (laughs) but, but it's, yeah, it's, is yeah, it the we suicide start. slurpee where you put every every color in possible? Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But it's it's and it's, then three it's, sugar packets just to top it off. <laughs> so hey, well, you you talked about you talked about uh, getting to basics and things like that. I, I know there's 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 the fundamental basics and then there's the basic basic. Have you ever had to teach what left wing and right wing is? Yes, I have. And it was. Can you uh, tell that story, please? Uh, I'll never forget. I mean, it's I. It happened like two years ago. So I'm coaching my my son's team, who is six years old at the time. And for the first two months, I kept on going, you know, rolling the lines, having fun. We're actually progressing to be like a pretty decent team. We never played full ice before. Never knew, like you know never knew anything other than chasing the puck so we got the kids in a in in a good spot 
but I couldn't like I'm running the forward door and I would go, you know, first three kids would come on. I'd be like, all right, you play center, you play left, you play right. And I get <laughs> all these kids eyes on me go, okay, coach. And then they would all go out and chase the puck. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, they're chasing the puck. They're six years old. It's like whatever. So for two months, I'm installing this, installing this and, and saying left, right, center, left, right, center. <laughs> Finally, we get to a tournament and I'm getting sick and tired of the, 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 the bees on honey hockey. So I, we get in the locker room after the one game and we played against a really good team and they're like, they're, their guys are spread out. They just basically pass it around us. Our kids are just chasing the puck. And I'm like, okay, you know what? If that team right there can do it, why can't our kids do it? And they're the same age. They have the same ability. Why can't we get it? So I get in the locker room after the game and I'm like, all right, who, who here knows what left or right is? Oh yeah. All the kids put up their hand left or right. I'm like, Oh, you do. Then why is it every single time that I tell you to play left wing, you guys just chase the puck or I tell you to play right wing, you just chase, chase the puck. I said, let's do this exercise. Everyone put up their left hand. Well, I have 12 kids on this team. 10 of them put up their right hand and only two of them put up their left hand. Then I say, Hey, everyone put up your right hand. Well, they switched hands again and didn't realize that what they were doing wrong, that they were just like, they didn't know what their left or right was. So I came up with the idea that the whole rest of the season, I'd say, you know, Ryan, you're playing left wing. That's, you know what left wing is? And sure, he'd look at me, yeah, yeah, coach, I know what left wing is. I'd be like, oh, no, you, no, you don't. No, you don't. But that's okay. And I'd go, that's where the mommies and daddies are standing. And <laughs> over there. See over there where the mommies and daddies are? That's the side you're You're on the wrong side, Ryan. And he'd go, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I'd go to the right winger and I'd say, hey, Billy, okay, you're playing right wing. That's the benches. See where the benches are? See, like, And I'd show him along the glass and I'd be like, see where if, – if you – if you can't see me or you're not coming up and down in front of me and you, then you're playing the wrong side. Oh, okay, coach. So it was mommy's and daddy's side for the rest of the year. And it was bench side the rest of the year. I got away from the left and right. And as, as, as bad as this story is, the kids actually got it. And we started playing our positions and we started having even more success because of mommy's and daddy's side and, and bench side. Oh, I couldn't. I, 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 I still laugh at that story because I still think my son still doesn't know what left and right is. <laughs> and, and, I, and he plays defense, and I still got to be like, oh, buddy, you're going down with the mommy's. Well, you know where mom sits? That, yeah, that's the side you're playing on, man. Come on, just like, let's figure this out. <clears throat> that's great. Well, well uh, obviously, the pandemic has taken a major toll uh, on hockey all over the world. Yeah. Um, you know, we know what it's kind of done here, and a lot of our listeners are, are you know, I mean, not just Ohio listeners, but how has it taken a toll in Michigan? Because, I, I, you know, we've heard that rinks were closed for a long time. Uh, they might still be. I don't know. The, the, can you just talk to us, Ohio listeners, on what is happening in Michigan and what, what toll has been taken because of this major pandemic? And it's, what's moving forward? What's moving forward? It's, well, I think as, as, the whole world kind of sits and waits. Michigan's sitting and waiting and trying to figure this whole thing out too, which is, which 
is is hard it's obviously hard as as coaches and, and parents to try like are we going to have a season are we not having a season what's what's going on it's hard to, as a coach be like okay well you know are we going to be able to field the team or are we going to be able like do do parents want to go to go go to tournaments are parents gonna like you know uh you know the the toll it's effect had on on people's jobs are they are, are they going to be able to play are they, their kids going to be able to play so it's it it has been very difficult, not just in, you know, all over the world and it's been in, in all of youth sports. Um, in Michigan, it's, it, it, we, uh, we started opening up some rinks as of about uh, a month ago two two months ago, which has been nice. Um, it's been hard, you know, a lot of, a lot of rinks in Michigan are city owned. So they have to, you know, go by the standard of, of our governor here and, and not, and not open it up. Um, some of the rinks that are independently owned, um, in different counties are allowed to open up, but there's some independent rinks that aren't allowed to be opened up. So it's, that has been difficult. It's obviously been difficult finding ice everywhere. Cause you know, we, we over here in Michigan, like my son lost his baseball season. He lost his lacrosse season. All, and all I've been able to do is basically find ice for him. And it's not that I've really wanted him to skate, you know, twice a week in the summertime, but it's the only thing that we have to kind of keep some normalcy in his life right now. So that's what we've kind of been, been doing. Um, but it's, it's been difficult. I mean, I'm hearing rumors over here that hockey might not start till, um, you know, October. And then we're going to have um, basically a month of training, like sort of quote, sort of called training camp and tryouts, and then and then start the season in November, and then just have the season last a little bit longer. Like you know, a, a, you have your season that that ends usually in in March uh, with this with the state uh, tournament in March, and then it goes on till, uh, um, and then you have your spring season that starts right away, and that goes to like April or May. So now we're, it looks like we're just going to start playing hockey whenever we start and then go for, you know, into that um, April, May period where it would be, you know, quote unquote, our spring season would start. Would they call that um, like an acclimation period to, to get the kids hopefully up to speed one, but two, to see what it would look like for a month uh, case wise? Like, you know what yeah, I mean? I, yeah, I think so. Like, uh, I, I, Listen, it's it's hard. Like you know, we, I, I'm sitting here right now. I haven't like I'm lucky enough. So last year, my team had uh, 15 kids. Um, two two families decided not to come back. So I only have to make uh, you know add two more two more kids to my team, and can't have a tryout right now. It's hard to find ice. I can only get about maybe like like two sheets two sheets a week right now. Um, and I got all these moms and dads calling me going, Hey, is your team picked? Is your team picked? And I'm, I'm saying no. And they're like, Hey, can, can I come out and skate? And I'm like, no, I I'm following the rules right now. Like they, there's a lot of, lot of coaches out there um, that are, are holding trials or offering spots to the, to, to kids and, you know, playing, playing, uh, you know, getting their teams ready so that when we do start, they'll just go right into their season. And, and I'm, I'm not willing to, to risk that right now. And, and to, um, uh, so it's, it, it has been very difficult because I, I don't want to lose out on players, but also I don't know if there's going to be like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful there's going to be a season. Like I, I think for sure there's going to be a season, um, but it's just about like, when's it going to start? And I rather have if, if the worst case scenario, um, if 
we're not able to play games. Um, I think I'm f- f- feel very confident that we're going to be able to um, have the kids come out and practice or have skills practices or like non-contact practices. So at least they're going to be staying in the game and they're going to be staying active and they're going to be able to, to keep on playing that way, which wouldn't be bad for the, you know, three, four months where they're just, they're just working on their skills. It's like what we talked about at the very beginning, they're just working on their passing. Yeah. They're working on their stick handling. They're working on their skating. You know, they're, they're forced to, to buy into practice right now so that it's not about games, 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 because we can't play games right now. And so they're forced to work on these fundamentals that maybe during the course of the season, we don't have time to, to teach those things because we're, we're trying to teach a system, you know, teach a system or, or get prepared for our next game because they have a, a really good player. And we're, we're, you know, I I know at the higher levels and midget OHL levels, or, you know, even high school levels that you're, 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 you got one game that week and you're, you're coming up with a game plan of how to beat that team on that specific week. And you're working on those things and you don't have, you know, maybe, maybe the stick handling drill gets pushed aside that, that day, or maybe this passing drill gets pushed aside because you got to work on some systems uh, to teach that. And now we're going to have time to do that. And I think that's going to help the kids and it's going to be much more uh, beneficial for them. Do you think that that delay or, or layoff of actual gameplay could hurt the higher levels? Um, it, it, like, what, what do you, what do you mean? Well, like I mean the higher you, you look at a guy that's, that's high school trying to play junior. Yeah. Junior, junior that's trying to move on major junior that is looking to get seen and you know you get a kid that's 18 that didn't get drafted yeah that is trying to show what he can do to possibly get you know be a late draft and he's has the possibility of losing out on almost two years two seasons if you will well you're you know his future's in a hundred percent limbo yeah. compared to the 16 year old that's in major that 16 17 okay you still have your 17 18 to get drafted and, and move on even high school trying to go play junior where yeah you know whatever but do you think that do you, do you think that to be honest with you we've talked about this pandemic so much that i don't even know what i'm asking you i'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you i'm exa- oh, I- i'm exhausted it's it's I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a crapshoot one. It's a gong show too Yeah. for what's going to happen, but we don't have those answers. That's, that's a big, what if, do you yeah. think that while yes, it's beneficial that we practice more hundred percent agree with you on that hundred percent agree with you. But do you think even at, especially at the older levels rather that there needs to be some sort of gameplay to gauge how well the practice is going, maybe not so much at the youth level where, where your son's at, but and even where your daughter's at, but maybe at the older level, they need to put some sort of season together, even if that means you stay regional. And so everybody in Michigan stays in Michigan. You guys don't travel outside of Michigan. So be it. You guys yeah. got so much hockey up there. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah the, the, the teams here in Ohio would be the ones that would be screwed, right? Your high-level teams, like you have Sylvania, like out of Toledo, you've got yeah. the Barons, you've got the Jacks and, and – uh, Columbus yeah, area, travel, you know, but, but so that would work for you guys regionally, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. Like I, my heart goes out to those, to those players that are in their draft year or that are in their year of, um, you know, getting, 
now it's their turn to get possible like the possibility of that scholarship or anything because i mean they, they we think uh it you put all this effort in all throughout the course of your career and this is the year that it's time to get drafted and you're right now you're working out at the gym every day you're you're skating you know as much as you can right now to get ready for this season and you're sitting here going am I going to be able to play hockey I don't like I don't know and 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 that's that's hard man I I don't know like if you if you can find a way to get a, a, a scholarship this year or find a way to get into junior like get uh drafted in into a, a junior league my hat goes off to you because um it, it's going to be difficult um I it, it there's there's going to be like, you know, we talked about it, like there's gonna be extra time to practice. There's gonna be extra time to work on your skills, which is going to be great. But you know, there scouts need to see you play hockey games. Like you can be the best hockey. You could be that. Like I've coached kids that I look at them in practice, be like, Oh my God, this guy is unbelievable in practice. Like where, where is this during the games? He gets out in a game and you're like, Where's the kid at practice that I just saw yesterday? Yeah. Like what? Like it hit the 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 what translates in practice? You need to bring out in the game, and unfortunately, sometimes uh, different kids learn that at, at different levels. And so, you need to play hockey games in order for for these for for um, the higher levels to see you to to take you to that next level. So it's it's going to be difficult uh, for them. Uh, to do that. And I just hope, and my heart goes out to those kids because I've been down that road before where it's, it's a big year for you and you're, you're putting in all the hard, all the work in the summertime and you're, and you're training your butt off to get your, your body in shape and get your mind ready. Uh, and then this goes on and you're, it's just another obstacle that you have to uh, mentally prepare yourself for. And like, who's to say like the season may start, and three weeks, four, two months into it, may shut down again, and we're like, right. okay, well, what do we do now? Right. You know, hopefully, hopefully, and when when we start up, and we will be playing hockey games, that like, if I could give any of your listeners advice, the the kids that are out there, um, let's. You don't know, like I always talk about, like you don't know when. Um, your last shift's going to be. You don't know when your last game is going to be. You don't know if. Um, you know, a scout came from um, some school that's three states over, and this is his only time that he's going to be watching you this year. So you want to like every game that you play is going to be uh, like uh, emphasis emphasized even more of make sure you bring your game to the next level so that you are you're seen, you are um, scouted, and that you can have an opportunity to maybe play uh, the following year because um, you know if there's any more pressure on like your draft year or your year of, of uh, getting a scholarship, uh, there's even more pressure. This would be the year my heart goes out to them because it's not, you, you want to play good every single, every single game that you can. And you want to be out there and, and working your butt off and practice and, and pushing yourself as best you can. But we all have bad days and, and that's okay. Um, you know, I, I have bad days at work um, and, and, you know, what what if you're a lawyer if you're a doctor you, you have bad days too and it's it, it's not it's not it's not it's impossible to be perfect every single time that you're out there and it's impossible to be perfect every single game you can only just hope to bring it a, a good effort every single game and that you work hard and you're a good teammate and um 
you try to get better every single game and that's that's all you can ask for because there's going to be some highs and lows and it's again it's sounds so cliche but stay an even keel the whole the whole season and and just and and just uh you know uh work trying trying to get noticed the best as you can and i mean and, and, and getting noticed right now is not like you know maybe not scoring a goal or not you know, getting uh, getting that unbelievable assist that you're passing the guy back door. It could be, you know, getting pucks in deep and and forechecking that defenseman and just having a hard work shift and finishing your checks and doing those those you know those small things that coaches love. Like it's not about the, all the goals all the time. I, you know, scouts like to see okay, you finishing plays. Can this guy finish? Yes, no, or he needs to work on that. Yeah, that that's that's all that's all things that they they look at, but they also look at all the small things. How does he play without the puck? How does he? How does he? You know, how, does he compete every single night? Uh, is he a good teammate? Is he is he well liked in the locker room? Like these are all things that like are are discussed and talked about when these scouts talk to uh, other coaches and and it's not so much of of like you know you watch him score goal. like the kid's got 60 goals okay yeah he he's unbelievable no they still divulge everything they still want to know the player they still want to um get get them get to know him on a personal level before they they pick that player to, to play on their team just as much as the players have that short window right now and they have to be on their on their game. The scouts have a short window too, and, I, and, and the kids need to know that. Oh, hundred percent. Like right. their, their jobs are on the line too. Like they, right, they, right. They, they need to be at anytime. There's a rink, and wherever a rink's open, I know hockey families. They're gonna find ice wherever it's it's gonna be. If it's gonna be in someone's backyard, they're gonna be there. And and you know. Like scouts are going to have to come and, and find these kids and they're going to have to work, work their butts off too, by, by getting these kids, because yeah. it, there's not, they're, they're not going to be able to take days off where they, you know, are going to be able to see, see these kids and they're, they're, uh, they're going to be in the same boat there. Whenever there's a game going on, they're going to need to be driving in their car, sipping that bad coffee at every single arena that, that we've, that we've played at and, and watching these kids because their, their jobs are on the line too. The last thing they need is, you know, putting their stamp on a kid that says, all right, we need to have this guy team gets them. And then he shows up and he, you know, he's a bad apple in the locker room or he's, you know, doesn't, doesn't, uh, has a bad work ethic or something like that. Like they need to do their homework too on, on every single thing. So, um, you know, some of the questions that they, that these guys ask us as coaches, um, you're, you kind of look, you kind of look at the scout code. Why would you ever want to know that? But they, they have their, you know, they have their method to their madness of, of why they, of, of the, the character that they want on, on their hockey teams. So we had we had a uh, uh, real, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we had Ian Moran, former Penguins, who who now works with Neutral Zone Scouting on a couple uh, months ago, and he talked about he puts just as much emphasis on sitting down, sitting out in the lobby, watching the kid come out and address mom, dad, girlfriend, whoever it may be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Addressing them that he does watching the actual play on the ice. Oh yeah, it's it's great. Like when. I've talked to scouts, NHL scouts. I've talked to OHL scouts. I've talked to colleges. I've talked. I mean, I have friends, and uh, one of the best things about being in hockey is that you you get to have friends in 
in in every single place of 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 the game of hockey and i still still have contacts with them and i still you know pick their brain out um with with these guys even though i'm coaching you know nine you and i'm coaching six you you know it's just um and they that's that they they look at all that stuff they don't want to bring anyone in their organization or their school that might take might put themselves take that player put themselves ahead of the team and they don't want anything like that we want team they want team players they want um to to buy in the system that they're that they're um that they're embedding in that program they want good good character kids and that uh, that that's a huge emphasis in in these guys. I mean, you you like I said before, you could be the best goal scorer at your age, but if you have a bad attitude and you don't want to work, you know what? Someone's going to take you because they think that they can they can train you and they think they can put you in that in that uh, environment where it's going to work. But those are the guys that end up playing on eight different teams throughout their course of their career because they'll get in there and be like, Oh, we can fix you. And, and you're going to be a part of it. And, you know, next thing you know, they get sick and tired of you and they ship you to the next city. And then that team goes all, gets all excited because oh, look at this guy. This guy's unbelievable. He's, he scored 60 goals in juniors last year. Well, you know what? They see his attitude and they just don't want to put up with it. Or the coach doesn't want to put up with it. And they ship him to the next city. It's, it's just, I've seen it happen so many times. And that's what the biggest thing that they, that these scouts talk about is, you know, character, character, character. And that's one of the biggest things that, 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 that uh, I can't emphasize, uh, emphasize enough with these kids is, you know, is, is that is how they portray themselves off the ice is, is just as important or may so, or maybe even more important than what they do on that ice. And if I, hopefully for your listeners that listen to this, that they can, that's the one thing that they can take out of this is that just because someone's, someone's watching you at all times, it doesn't matter. You know, you're at school, you're at a high school level and um, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking you're trying to be funny by, by, by videotaping something or, or doing, or, or doing something um, and trying to be a kid. It always comes he always comes back and, and haunts you later, later on down the road. And yep. just, you know, don't want to say, Hey, don't have fun and live a boring life. But you know what? You always got to be, always got to be looking at like, who's watching what's going on and what you, what, how you're portraying yourself out there to everyone else in the world. So you talk, you talk about, you know, how, how this pandemic and things is affecting minor hockey. What does it do to the pro guys? I mean, I know what we're watching in the NHL right now is exciting and, and, as we're conversing here, there's a game going on, but how does it, you know, your, your nephew plays pro hockey, both your nephews do. And the, the one I'm speaking about is in the LA Kings organization. And he almost had to go to LA to train and because Michigan was closed. Yeah. How's no, it affecting, yeah. how's it affecting the pro guys? They, they, they haven't been able, like my nephew. So my nephew was offered the opportunity LA at the end of their season, uh, cause it abruptly end, ended they, uh, LA Kings said, Hey, you know what, why don't you go home, take some time off. And when, uh, when we're ready and our, and our, our, uh, our gym opens and the rink opens back up again, come on down and 
and and train with us for the summer and he was ecstatic he was fired up he was gonna you know he was gonna be able to be in in the locker room with like all these nhl players that are are there all year round get to train with them get to skate with them you know and um you know unfortunately with where we are right now in the world that opportunity hasn't been able to present themselves because the any the la kings or um rink is not open yet they're um their gym's not open right up right now. So he, you know, he's been at home and having to to work out and train on his own right now. I mean, he, he has a, he has a trainer that puts, puts him through the paces. And uh, I mean, he, he's working so hard right now um, to, to get, to have his dreams fulfilled and to get into the NHL that um, I think it, this pandemic might, might've helped him a little bit, because he's he needed to put on some weight, he needed to get bigger and stronger, and he's and just the you know three months or four months that he's been working out, I see a big huge difference. His his body has 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 transformed into. Um, I keep on joking with him. He's getting man muscles now. Finally, at <laughs> at, uh, at twenty two, you know. So, um, but it's 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 gonna affect him. I mean, like it it doesn't again talked about. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you played hockey, when did they finish in March? Like these guys from March until December, not playing a meaningful hockey game to these guys, it's going to, it's going to affect them. Like it, it's going to be hard for these guys to, 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 to get up to the, I mean, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be coming out game, game busters and they're going to be flying around that those first couple games, but then it's going to, you know, it's going to be hard for them to, to keep up their skill. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see when you, when you take a, you know, eight months off, a, a nine months off of, of your craft, it's, it's going to be hard to catch up again. Right. Right now. I think, and watching the, the um, I'm actually surprised of how quickly, uh, you know, you're watching these, uh, the qualification rounds right now, like every game that has, has, has gone on as, as every series has, has moved on games have gotten better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see what like the real first round of the playoffs is and so on and so forth. Cause it's, it's kind of, it's weird watching without hockey fans in the stands and, and creating that emotion. But, um, I mean, what the Maple Leafs did uh, a couple of days ago, being down three nothing, their season on the line with three minutes left to go, and them coming back and and forcing a game five, unbelievable! Like that's just guys that just want to be there and just be like, hey, you know what? We're not having our season end tonight, and it's guys putting them, putting laying it out on the line, finding that extra gear, finding that extra um, push, and 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 and. Now, now we got a game five, and I'm I'm pumped to watch that. It's gonna. I think that that game's gonna be a hell, uh, heck of a hockey game. I agree. I definitely agree. Hey, so not to not to switch gears on you too drastically, but how did you 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 work for you work for Warrior Hockey previously Reebok CCM? How did you get into that equipment market after you retired from playing? Uh, I I was lucky enough to have. Um, a brother that was in the industry of repping and representing hockey companies uh, while, while I was playing. And um, way back when, when I was still playing, uh, Reebok CCM started, you know, um, knocking down a, a lot of doors and, and taking the gap from uh, uh, Bauer as, as becoming like really uh, 
heavy into skates and sticks and protective and everything like that. And they were all over my brother about, Hey, you need to hire someone else. You need to hire someone else. And my brother sat me down and said, Hey, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, 30 years old. Um, what do you want to do with the, like, you can't play hockey for the rest of your life. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'd be, it'd be awesome if I could do what you do. Like I, I would come home when I was playing, I would come home and live at his house for three, four months at a time and then train in Detroit and then, um, you know, go to the next city that I was playing at. So I had an idea of what he did and I thought it was really, really cool. It was, it, it enables me to stay with the game that I love. I get to talk to people that love hockey. I get to, um, talk about sticks and skates and uh no it's not not so much skates anymore but the protective and the sticks to uh and and i know what i'm talking about like i have a lot of friends that 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 played hockey and um got into jobs that they knew nothing about you know and and they're like man i just wish i could be a part of sticking with hockey and sticking with what i what i knew my whole entire life and my brother gave me that opportunity to, to, to do that. And, um, I, I've been blessed to have a, a repping a job and career for the last, um, geez, I think I'm going into year, year 12 now, um, and working with some great people and great companies and, uh, and, and, and still, and still, you know, Tom never wanted to leave. Um, if I, when I stopped playing and I couldn't be doing what I was doing, I, I would love to be coaching or I'd love to be refing, or I'd love to be like, if I could open up a, a door on a bench, I would do that. Like, I just love the game so much and are so passionate about it that, um, I would, I would find a way to, to get my way into anything that involved hockey. And, and I was, I, I'm, I've been blessed to be doing this and, and, uh, and it still, it still enables me to travel around and see people talk to people and it's been awesome it's been a lot of fun what do you think makes warrior the premier uh hockey company right now jeez i i think warrior make is what makes us successful is is the team that we have we're all we're all uh our company is is small compared to when you talk about like the Bowers or the CCMs of the world, we're still a small company. We're uh, all the people like the, the Warriors based in Warren, Michigan. It's about 20 minutes away from my house. I don't, I don't work at the head office over there, but I do go in there occasionally. And when I walk in there, they're like, people are at their desk and they're working hard and they're trying to make everyone, uh, uh accountable and, and, and better. Uh, uh, as, 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 as we work together as a team on this. And I think that's what has made my uh, time at Warrior so, so enjoyable. Cause we, it's like, we have that hockey team mentality where like, if someone's going to be down that day, well, then there's going to be another person that's going to bring them back up and, and, and try to get, and, and, and uh, try to get better. And we've come out with some unbelievable products in my idea. I, uh, on my day that I've been selling, I, I joke with a lot of my dealers and a lot of uh uh stores um to this day like when i played hockey i was handed a hockey stick i was handed a skates i was handed gloves and they'd go okay this is what you're using for the rest of the year and i'd be like okay sounds good to me and i had no idea like like the like 
why this glove was better because of the protection or why, like I didn't, I was one of the last guys to, to change out of a wood stick. Like I remember like when I was at West, hey, when I was at hey, Western, hey, Babe Ruth, how's it going over there? When I was at Western, I was using branches, wood sticks forever. When I went, went my first uh, three years of professional, I, I was forced to use a, uh, you know, blade shaft stick, but I still had a wood blade because that's what I grew up on. That was the best, like what I, the best feel for me. Good, then I, then good the, Canadian, the, good Canadian ash. There you go. Yeah. And then I go, um, I go to Germany and this, this older guy in the team looks at me one day and he's like, Rimmer, why are you using like this old blade that just breaks on you every two games and i'm like i don't know this is what i what i use all the time i i I like the curve on this and he'd be like look and it was he had a composite uh blade that was the exact same curve that i use he goes try this i try it and i am rifling bb's out there and i'm like where has this been for the last four years of my career like what took me so long you know and and I think at, with with Warrior and 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 every single time we come up with something new, um, it, it's funny to see because other companies will will see what we come up with and then they gravitate and they start stealing ideas from us. And and I think like that's pretty cool to be a part of a group that's very innovative and and will will take us to the next level. And I I mean there's there's sticks that. Like and I always joke too, and I would say like if I had this thing, I'd score fifty goals a year. If I had this thing, you know, like it's the 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 what we're coming out with and what what we're uh, and the the protective and everything that we have is is top notch, and it's 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 great to be a part of. Cool. Well, Steve, hey, thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast. We appreciate it, you know, and you're always welcome. Um, I know we can go on on and on, and and we we probably will again, uh, but. Uh, we do appreciate your time. I enjoyed every minute of it, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, we can get back in the rink and see you guys play your U nine team. And you know, I know absolutely, you came and support you came and supported our team when we were in Michigan last year. So we look forward to seeing you soon, buddy. Absolutely, Eddie. Guys, anytime you need me, I'm here for you. I'm a huge fan of the pod, and uh, um, it's it's like I said last week. It's it's great what you guys are doing. You're bringing us some some laughs when at a time that we we need laughs right now. And uh, keep up the great work. And uh, like I said, anytime you guys need me, I'm here for you. All right, thanks, buddy. Nice seeing you. All right, thanks. Well, Jay, what a great day that we had today. Uh, been able to talk to uh, some really really interesting people. It was great to catch up with Coach Jamie Ruffner and and. Uh, his senior captain, Dylan Cox, is, uh, from Bowling Green Bobcat Hockey. So happy for the Bowling Green Bobcat uh, program. They're back uh, on the stage. Again, we've talked about the Columbus scene, how they're arriving. No, they're already there. Well, the Bowling Green Bobcat team uh, arrived earlier in November and then told everybody in February, we're here to stay. Absolutely. The thing, the thing I took from uh, that conversation with Coach Ruffner, <clears throat> he's a very humble man. You know, obviously we as coaches can only do so much and it's on the players to, to I don't want to say this the wrong way, but do their job. And and the, the BG guys are, are doing their job. They're listening to coach. Um, all the accolades that they're receiving for, for their play in, in coming back and doing good things is, is so deserved. He's building it correctly. 
He's he's a he's a he's a very knowledgeable man. He has very good resources at a, at his leisure to to learn to grow. Like he said, I'm almost 50 years old and I'm constantly learning. And and that's something we're hearing over and over from guys doing this uh, pseudo job that we have right now. Um, but it's it's great to see a storied program. Any storied program that has to go away for whatever outside reasons, be it financial, be it be it numbers reasons. It's always a sad day. You never want to see hockey go away. And to see Bowling Green come back, yes, they have the storied history, and yes, they're writing their own chapter to it. And Coach Ruffner, Dylan Cox, I, I, I hope the best for every hockey player. I really hope the best for these guys. Dylan's a, or Dylan seems like a very good guy. Uh, Coach Ruffner is a very good guy that I know. And uh, it was an exciting conversation with those guys. Yeah, it was. And, and I wish those guys the best, you know, except when they play us, because we know where they're going, right? And uh, yes, sir. Um, that that's, doesn't mean to be – I don't mean to be rude there, but uh, we know how fast they're going to be able to get there. And uh, the youth program is is rising. So uh, it was great talking with them. I, hopefully we get to, a chance to see them uh, in the next couple months. Then we had uh, the opportunity to listen to uh, uh, Steve Rimshaw uh, finish up his interview and. I tell you what, Steve talked really, really candidly about uh, what scouts. I mean, he's he's played at the highest levels, he's coached at high levels, he's talked to these people. He knows, um, and it's just wonderful again to keep getting the message out to our youth players that people are always watching. Now, especially this year, when things are tight, I mean, our players got to be on point. Uh, the scouts got to be on point, but he talked candidly about. Not only what happens on the ice, but what happens off the ice, too, is very, very important. Well, Steve's a good friend of ours, and it, it wasn't an interview. It was a conversation amongst friends. Um, I know he was nervous to be on here, <laughs> and I know I'm making fun of him right now. But, you know, there are good people. We talk about it at the opening of our shows every week that we're bringing you interesting people um, trying to make hockey better. And Steve's another example of that, whether he's in Michigan, whether he's in Ohio. You know, Steve does have ties here in Ohio through us, and and he's a good person. He's got great stories. He's such a personality. He's so much fun to talk to, so much fun to be around. If we've had the opportunity to be around him. But, you know, like you talked about that, that Steve was gracious with his time to, to come to one of our games, a couple of our games, and give some feedback and critique. And we, we've, we're always able to bounce things off of him at all the levels he's played at. and you know, hockey people are good people. Steve is a good person. He, he's, he's played in, in, in Europe. He's played in, in professional leagues. He's, he's played in college. He's played in youth and junior. And he's just so much fun. He's just, he's a gong show. No, no, he's, he, he's a, he's a, he's an, an in control gong show. Like, yes. he, like you know yes, what I mean? Yes. But, um, but it was great to catch up with Steve. I'm, I'm assuming, and I hate to assume cause we know yes. what that means. But I'm assuming uh, that we and our listener, listeners will hear from Steve again. Oh, yes. So, oh, yeah. um, well, it's time to put episode 18 uh, of On Air to Bed. We'd like to thank our guests from Bowling Green High School, head coach Jimmy Ruffner and senior captain Dylan Cox. And a big thank you to Steve Rimshaw of Warrior Hockey for giving us so much content uh, that we had to make two parts for his series. Check back next week when we will introduce to you new and exciting guests telling their stories and helping to grow the game of hockey. You can find the on-air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes archived as well as a list of future guests. 
You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.